Welcome to Middle School Walk and Talk, a podcast series offering heart, hope, and health to members of our middle school communities. Hosts Phil Fagel and Jessica McGuire talk all things self-care, student well-being, school culture, and more. Middle School Walk and Talk is designed to support the concepts found in the successful middle school, This We Believe, and is a production of the Association for Middle Level Education. To learn more, visit amle.org. Today's episode, Kids Are Kids No Matter Where They Learn. Hi everyone, welcome to a new season of AMLE Walk and Talk podcast. This is Phyllis Fagel. For those of you listening for the first time, I'm a school counselor in Maryland and an author of the book, Middle School Matters, and the new book, Middle School Superpowers. And I'm really excited today because I have a new co-host to introduce. I'll just introduce her very briefly so she can talk about herself, but it's Jessica McGuire. She's a middle school principal in Wyoming. And Jessica, I will let you take it from here. Thanks, Phyllis. It's great to be here with you on Walk and Talk. And I wanted to introduce myself to everybody. I'm Jessica McGuire, and I am a middle school principal based in Douglas, Wyoming. And I have been a middle school principal for the past five years, but an educator for over 20. And middle school is truly my favorite time, I think, in a student's education. So I'm excited to be part of this project of the AMLE Walk and Talk podcast. My school, Douglas Middle School, was um, proud to be one of the inaugural School of Distinctions through AMLE. And so um, it's a great honor to be here with you on Walk and Talk and to get to learn about um, everything middle school, I guess, from guests that we will have in the future to just conversations with you. I'm, I'm excited too. Can you just share what the Schools of Distinction program is for anyone who's not familiar with it? Sure. Um, we became interested in the School of Distinction program actually um, when the AMLE conference was online and virtual because everyone was homebound due to COVID, right? So um, the AMLE conference was online and the School of Distinction program was mentioned and we became interested in that really because it would give us some data on how close we were aligning to those 16 characteristics in This We Believe. And we wanted to use it and our possible application for School of Distinction to really get some data from AMLE on our school and drive some of our continuous improvement processes through that. So we actually started with some coaching through AMLE and we took the successful school assessment and got a wealth of data from that, that then we broke down with an AMLE representative over the course of the school year with our staff. And so we were able to identify areas where we were strong and really aligned to some of those 16 characteristics and areas where we had a lot of room for improvement. And we could have conversations around that with someone from AMLE who was connected to a million middle schools across the United States and and probably outside of the United States as well. So it was a huge resource for us. And through that process, we did decide to apply to be a school of distinction and were honored when we were one of, I think 12 um, schools to get that distinction the first year of the program. And it's connected me to so many middle school principals. It's, It's wild actually. And it's just opened the doors of our school and our learning and 
we get to connect with people all the time through that process. Is it really different in other parts of the country when you talk to principals who are far from Wyoming? It's actually not. Um, I'm finding that kids are kids no matter where they are. And middle school educators are all connected in some way for their passion for that age group. And while we learn about different ways to implement programs and more innovative ways to do things than maybe we are doing now, I'm not finding that there's a lot of difference between kids and middle school teachers, really, which is nice because then we can jump right into a conversation together about what they're noticing or what they're doing to address things at their school that's working and maybe what's not that we can share with them something that's working on our end. That's really interesting. I'm actually seeing the same thing when I travel. I just got back from Missouri and I met with educators in Kansas and in Missouri. And for the umpteenth time, I walked away thinking, you know what, it really doesn't matter if it's a public school or a private school, if it's in London or Bethesda, Maryland, where I live, or if it's in Missouri, Kansas City, everywhere you go, it's such a distinct phase. And I think that's one of the things that sets this age group apart. It's just so unique in terms of their needs and also in terms of the challenges that we're facing, me and my role as a school counselor, you and your role as a principal. And I think, especially for principals, it can be kind of lonely at times. So I think it's great that you have connected through the program to all of these other principals around the country. And it sounds like maybe even around the world. I feel a little bad because we didn't prepare you that I would be interviewing you. We didn't really plan to do that. <laughs> it was really just um, meant to be a conversation about the start of school. And I do want to make sure we talk about that. And I'm really curious what it's been like coming back for you this fall. If you've noticed any changes, improvements, or lingering issues that have come up. Yeah. Um, we at my school are into our fourth week of school. And so, you know, we're kind of past that great time at the beginning of school um, for middle schoolers when they come and are excited to see all their peers again, right? Highly socialized middle schoolers back together all again. And so we got to experience that. And now we're kind of into that phase where all the students at our school are, you know, figuring out what they want to be involved in. Involvement's really, probably to most middle schools, really important, right? And we want our kids to be involved in as many activities or clubs as they can to enrich that educational experience they're having. So at my school, we're really into now the phase of what do I want to belong to at this school and what can I get involved in? And with that, I think we've seen this year and not new this year, but a very middle school issue, I think, that when you start to belong to different organizations and clubs and activities, it's great for the individual. It also, I think, puts on a little bit of strain of friendships. You have some shifting friendships within there and some different groups that you might start to belong to. And so at my school, that's what we're seeing most recently, I think, with kids that their friendships are starting to shift based on their interests. And they're kind of in that pole of how do I stay connected with my old people who may not be involved in this club with me and also gain some new peers. That's interesting. I had a similar conversation with some of the educators out in Kansas yesterday and today. And the debate they were having is whether we need to give kids leadership opportunities to make them feel confident or if they need to feel confident to take on leadership roles 
because one of the things that some of them were noticing is that it seemed like kids didn't even want to be in positions of authority. It was almost like they were shying away from things and it wasn't clear if it was because they didn't want to do it or because they thought someone else might want to do it and didn't want to step on their toes or because they were worried they wouldn't be good at it. And one hypothesis that I had, and I see this with parents too, I think we're seeing a drop off in parent engagement and parent volunteering, is that people have less energy and don't have the stamina to do as many activities and are reluctant to take on real positions of authority or responsibility, but it's a double-edged sword because if they don't do those things, then they don't build their confidence. They don't feel that sense of agency. So I've really been giving some thought to what we can do to give kids opportunities to lead, like thinking about that in a really flexible way without overburdening them or making them feel like they're overextended. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. That's an interesting question that that school was asking. And I wonder if they had a way to go about trying to find out. I think the way is to ask the kids, right? Um, but that's interesting. And I hope that they do ask the kids to see, you know, what, why some aren't getting involved. Um, and I agree. I think people are tired <laughs> at the end of the day. You know, we're also at that phase in my school where the teachers are so energized to be here and fully committed, but it's a different mental process than their summer break was, right? So at the end of the day, I think we're kind of mentally exhausted too. And I think it plays into that as well. Just as you mentioned, parents are committed to a lot of things and a drop in parent involvement. Um, we see a little bit anyway here at my school as they transition from elementary to middle. Um, you know, our parent advisory council at elementary tends to be very large and as kids progress through the grade levels, I think that does drop off. And I'm not sure if it's necessarily because they're busy um, or they feel they're sometimes I think the middle schoolers project that maybe they wouldn't wish for them to be as involved and they might be trying to honor that as well. Um, but that's something we work on at my school a lot, trying to get more people involved in our parent advisory council and to different family engagement events. And yeah, I don't know that we have the silver bullet to do that, but but it is something that reoccurringly comes up. How do parents want to be involved? What feels comfortable for them? And then how do we provide that for them? Yeah, and I was, I was also thinking how in many ways we used to say, you know, the, the pandemic, it's an opportunity to reset, to not be as busy as we were. And now here we are worrying, or some parents are worrying, some educators are worrying that maybe kids aren't involved enough. And I wonder if maybe we need to step back and even ask why we're worrying about that. Maybe it's not a bad thing. Maybe they're having more balance in their lives or maybe because they're spending so much time online that is draining their energy and the social energy is taken up in that way. And so maybe it, it's actually really imbalanced and we need to get them offline more in order to help them have the energy to do more in their actual real environments. I don't know. It's, a, it's hard to sort of figure out exactly what's going on. You're right. It's kind of all interrelated possibly. And it's hard to sort out maybe one cause of that. Right. You made me think of something else that we've been talking about a lot at the beginning of the year at our school, when you mentioned students on their technology, um, you know, shifting from summer 
sleep habits and schedules to school sleep habits and schedules is always very hard for some of the kids at school, right? You're and adults, frankly, too. But in our conversation at our school, it does come up like, what are your healthy sleep habits at home? You know, they were different in the summer. Were you on your tech at home at night? And are you now as you prepare to come to school? Um, or is it just that you have to wake up earlier now to get here? But that's something that comes up a lot at our school too, particularly near the beginning of the school year, as we are now, as you're just shifting from that summer schedule to more of a routine of school. That's definitely a conversation I'm having in my own house with my own 15 year old. It's really hard for them to go from being a complete night owl in the summer and knowing that they can sleep until 2 p.m. if they want to having to get up and go to school. I keep waiting for that switch to flip where suddenly they're so tired from having to get up that they go to sleep earlier on their own. But mm -hmm. it's definitely been a conversation I'm having nightly. Probably in many homes. Yes, <laughs> in many homes. I'm sure. I'm sure. Are you seeing anything else that stands out as different from other years? Or so far, does it sort of seem like business as usual? You know, it's a lot of business as usual, but the normal struggles of the beginning of the school year are the things that you have to work out to begin the year again. One thing that we are seeing here in our community is that a lot of our kids are getting to school in different ways. Um, of course, we have walkers, bus riders, bike riders, but so many of our kids now actually have electric scooters. Oh, and wow. it, yeah, um, it, I think it is fun. And I just think it is a new responsibility for them though. And um, a little bit different thing in driving, mode right? to get to school. Yeah. And so they're kind of out there with the traffic a little bit. We've had some talks about that and how we can talk to them and keep them safe while they are transporting themselves that way. But that's totally new this year that we haven't had that. And now we have a lot of kids um, moving around in our community in that way. So I think that's also going to be a community conversation in a way. How do we keep kids safe when they are on the road um, on electric scooters or electric bikes? I, I saw that a bit this summer when I was in Massachusetts. I haven't seen that with kids commuting to school yet. I did see somebody posting something online about wanting to start bike carpools the way they have in some European countries to get more cars off the road, which I don't know how many middle schoolers would be willing to participate in a parental bike bus situation. But what I have seen a lot of is kids just distractedly crossing the street or drivers not really paying attention to the school buses. I'm in a, probably, I'm guessing a much more congested area than you are, but I always feel like there's that transition period where I'm a little worried for the safety of all of the kids heading to school for sure. Well, I'm looking forward to a new school year and continuing on the Walk and Talk podcast with you, Phyllis. I'm really excited that you are joining me here on the AMLE Walk and Talk. I'm also looking forward to this school year, and I'm looking forward to having a lot of great guests. Our next episode will have Karen Anderson and Vanessa Curl Bennett from the Peter Broody podcast, and they have a new book coming out called This is So Awkward, and we'll be talking to them, and then we will have a whole slew of guests from the AMLE conference, so I hope you'll join us for that and for upcoming episodes.